Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. And good afternoon and welcome to Thursday and welcome to the Water Zone Show. I'm Rob Starr along with Chris Davies and we are your hosts today. As, and I guess every single week, so that's a good thing. At least we we know we have that job going. Anyway, I hope everybody's having a good time. And uh, Mr. Chris Davy, how are you doing today out in California? Yeah, we're all right out here, buddy. And thanks for saying, uh, I guess, every week. You know, because every week you say that, I think, man, I've, I've got a job for one more week, and that's it. So every time I come <laughs> back online, I'm, 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 happy that, <laughs> I'm happy that I'm here. I'm also sitting here enjoying a picture of you, Rob Starr, and a couple of your colleagues at uh, WaterSmart Innovations last week in wow. Las Vegas, where uh, where you're holding uh, very proudly holding uh, a trophy from the EPA WaterSense program for education and outreach. Congratulations! Well, congratulations to all of you two because uh, and Miss uh, Austin that we're going to introduce in a second, only because you guys help make the show wonderful, and that's really why we get the award is for for the radio show, according to the EPA. Even though we submitted other things that the company does as a whole, but we, we are separated by having a, a national radio show where the others don't. So I'm excited because you guys make it happen, and uh, we're a great team, and I want to make sure that keeps going and going and going and going and going. Never gone, but going. So thank, to, thank you very much. Ms. Chris Austin, I know you're, you're online as well. Thank you as well. Again, we couldn't do it without you, and... Uh, you know, this is, what, eight, ten years in a row? I'm excited about that. We've got longevity in this thing, so that's pretty good. It is, and it's eight years, yes, absolutely. Eight yeah. consecutive years. Yes. I don't think they had it the two years before that. I think that was something new that the EPA did. I don't remember having having that event uh, at, at the show. But it was a good show. Uh, we, uh, For those of you who listened, we had a lot of uh, about eight different uh, companies that we had come on the show, uh, new ones and old ones that uh, you may wanted to learn about. And uh, now we're starting to have them come back and do full sessions with us and get some more uh, information on really good group of people uh, from water agencies to manufacturers to software developers, everything to do with water. And it was uh, really nice to meet everybody. And uh, it was a good show. And, um, and I'm glad we did that. So, but Chris, I know we got another, another event coming up. Uh, in a couple of months, and it's going to be the IA show, which is the Irrigation Association. You may want to tell our listeners about a little about that for a few seconds. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. So, you know, just for our guests, everybody else, just hope you're ready. I mean, it's the world's largest exhibition that's dedicated to uh, irrigation. Just for um, information for our listeners, it's November 27th to December 1st. So that's that Tuesday through Friday. It's in San Antonio, Texas, and it's the 2023 Irrigation Show and Ed- Education Conference. It's a, it's just a place that brings literally thousands of irrigation professionals all in one place for one exciting week. There's a ton of new events this time. There's a river walk fiesta. There's a kickoff party. There's a tons of giveaways for the for the attendees and and the guests. Um, if, you, if you're not planning on going, seriously, consider it. Put it on your calendar. You can register at irrigationshow.org. That's irrigationshow.org, all one string. If you do it before October 17th, that's just a week from now, guys. If you do it before October 17th, 
you're going to secure an early bird rate. So hope to see uh, Rob and I will be there and hope to see you there as well. Yeah, we'll be broadcasting live from there. And just to let the audience know, it's also an international event. So there's people from uh, Europe, people from Asia. Uh, it's uh, it's a pretty big global show, uh, and a lot of new technologies. We're gonna we're gonna highlight on uh, there's some uh, companies new, new starts that uh, do a what we call a pitching session, where they go up and pitch their products and see if any other company is interested in, in collaborating with them, investing in them, buying them. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna interview some of those people, also some of the winners of the uh, new product awards, and we'll be doing that. And uh, so it should be a great show. Um, I, I want to introduce Miss Chris Austin, who's the purveyor of Mavis Notebook. She's online and she's out in uh, California as well. Chris, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I got a little, got a little bit of a cold here, but other than that, we're doing pretty good. Uh, well, I was hoping you were going to do your Barry White imitation with your voice, so that, you <laughs> <didn't before the laughs> that would have been that would have oh, been good. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's Low, low, gravelly voice, Chris. Oh, yeah. And it's fun. I'll have to create some music here in my studio and then just send it to you so you can add your voice to it. It'll be great. <laughs> so better yeah. hurry up because I hope to get over this soon. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I couldn't make it to the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, I intended to, but I was on my way driving to Merced and, you know, um, it's in California, as I'm sure in many other places, uh, we're still wrapping up the end of the big season of road construction. So yeah. there was all kinds of road construction, and, and it, uh, it, I wasn't able to make the show because I was stuck in traffic. But I was traveling down to UC Merced to see an event uh, that featured uh, the author Mark Arax, who wrote the book The Dreamt Land, and with uh, Ellen Hanek at the Public Policy Institute of California, probably one of the researchers that's done the most uh, research on San Joaquin Valley water issues. So it was an interesting discussion. Um, I, I think uh, Mark Arax, the author, uh, doesn't really have a very good, a very positive view of of uh, agriculture in the San Joaquin Valley, um, and uh, which was in contrast to Ellen Hanak, who um, acknowledges that they've got some challenges, but see some ways that they can navigate through those challenges. So it was an interesting discussion, um, and well worth the drive, I would say. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're back uh, back in the saddle here, and that's, that's a good thing. Hey, there's a couple of good things, that are, a, couple, a lot of things that are happening in California with water, but one that I know Chris Davies is interested in is the, the danger uh, of uh, uh, getting rid of uh, shrinking Chinook salmon and, and, and their extinction, because there's lots of problems with those right now. Maybe you can fill us in on what uh, the California agencies are doing about that. Yeah, um, the uh, uh, California has four different runs of Chinook, uh, meaning uh, there are like winter run, spring run, fall run, and uh, it's all related to the time when they come up from the ocean and up the rivers to spawn. Um, 
and Spring Run has really been uh, the most successful. I don't believe it's been... Um, in some areas, it's listed as endangered. In other areas, it's not. Um, so, But they have decided uh, to be proactive, um, and so they've been capturing broodstock to set up a hatchery uh, where they will... Uh, you know, be able to preserve the species until, you know, such time that they can be back in the river. Uh, you know, it's, it's a rather extraordinary effort. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they will be successful. Uh, well, we hope, we hope so because Chris Davy needs to go fishing. I do indeed. I mean, you know, salmon, smelt, and, uh, you know, whatever other species are up there. <laughs> And now here in Southern California, there's a um, there's a, a small stream, a small set of streams that are out in the desert that um, that got kind of washed out with all the rains. But uh, there's a certain breed or a certain species of pupfish out there that they thought were all gone, you know, washed away and destroyed. But there's a, there's been several sightings of them, and it looks like the population is springing back uh, in those streams. So that's a good sign. Yeah, well, that's quite, uh, pupfish are quite plucky. <laughs> they generally live in kind of harsh environments, so, you know, they have been able to uh, survive. It's amazing. Yeah. They are. So, I also heard that uh, California is starting to put solar panels over the water canals throughout the state. Oh, and yeah. Next- yeah, we've been, you know, there's a, a pilot project underway in Turlock, um, putting the panels over the solar canals. Of, you know, they call them solar canals. And, you know, a, a lot of, um, uh, there's been a lot of attention on this. And, and I think on the surface, it sounds like a good idea. Um, but it, it can be, you know, there's some real uh, issues there with, um being able to access the panels or the canals underneath for repairs. Um, and you have to hook up all these, um, you have to hook them up and connect them. And one of the problems, one of the challenges that we have in the San Joaquin Valley is we have a lot of solar installations going in, uh, but we're not uh, adding in transmission lines as fast as we're adding solar panels. So we'll see. There was a uh, webinar today, they been studying this a little more extensively down in Arizona, um, and the University of Arizona Water Resources Center has been doing a study, and they had a webinar. I didn't attend today, uh, but they they have some interesting findings that they said, and one of the, the benefits that they saw to these solar canals, which I haven't really heard discussed in the California context, but they said was improvement to water quality, which I thought was interesting. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Uh, You know, we we put a lot of, uh, we get excited about a lot of these technologies, and some of them work and some of them don't. So we'll, we'll see. I think the potential is here. And uh, I saw the picture of what they're doing in uh, Arizona. Uh, they have them on ca- canals, and 
They also have them, I guess, in some areas um, on the side of, of freeways and roadways. And I, yeah. I think that I saw that Newsom had signed uh, some legislation that would allow solar panels on uh, medians of the highways and freeways here in, in Southern California. So, um, well, didn't, so didn't, he, didn't he also just uh, sign some water rights bills for farmers? Yes, he signed the bill uh, that gives some some more enforcement powers to the state water board, but some say that it was watered down enough to make it not quite as effective as it could be. But uh, but we did at least make make a change so that at least the state water board can investigate now some claims of water rights um, and those that. Uh, there's people that would like to see a lot, a lot more changes to that, and we'll see. The other two bills that were proposed for water rights uh, legislation this year uh, were held over uh, as a to become what they call a two-year bill. So they didn't die this year, but uh, they they still could potentially pass next year. So um, you know, we'll see. A lot of people calling for such changes. Yeah, Mr. Davy, what uh, what stories excited you this week? The of course the weather one, right? El Nino. Just looking at at what the recent research is showing about how strong the El Nino is this year, and you know you see those color coded um, maps showing the surface water temperature in the eastern Pacific. That's the Pacific coast. That's the uh, Pacific that borders the west coast of the United States and central and South America, and, uh, you know, the maps are quite convincing when you look at uh, past years and correlate it to this year's. Um, However, when you see the uh, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, if you look at their forecast, I don't know, Chris, maybe you can put some context to this, but they they don't seem to match up, right? You see, you see, um, you see the the map showing the dire differences between it and, you know, they're talking about what it can mean to drought and and uh, weather systems across the U.S., but there's other parts of the world that are involved as well. Um, but NOAA doesn't seem to be forecasting uh, those same dire kind of consequences. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the connection, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's just a, a load of uncertainty with El Ninos. And, you know, by most measures, when you look at El Nino, just, uh, you know, what it means for California over the years, uh, it's all over the place. And, you know, so there's, I think there's a lot of concern because these days we're seeing a lot of amping up and a lot of extreme weather. So I think the concern is that, you know, there's some more extreme weather ahead, which I think, you know, is is, is probably absolutely correct. But it's hard uh, it's hard to, to really tell. The truth is we still don't know. Uh, we still can't forecast accurately more than 10 days in advance, I think it is. Now, there, what was interesting is... Um, I posted a press release today from uh, a place called Weather Tools Incorporated um, that 
has a solution that they say that accurately uh, predicts the what weather is coming. And now this is a commercial product, so, you know, that's one thing to keep in mind. But they say that uh, that they can predict this stuff very accurately and that they have been. Um, so it will be interesting to see if this... Um, you know, if this is going, if this is the real thing or not. Yeah, I think it was. I with, saw with, that. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say, I saw that, um, I saw that weather tool um, report. I don't know if it's the same one you're talking about, Chris, but it was on, it was on the weather tool um, right, yeah. website. And basically they're, they're saying, you know, El Nino uh, hyphen La Nada, right? So, <laughs> Not going to happen. So it's it, it's just every. It depends on where you look for the source, right? So it's uh, it doesn't seem to be any middle ground. For us. Just uh, both. Just you're either on the extremes or uh, and there's no middle ground. <laughs> and you know the truth is that we don't know. And especially when it comes to these global processes, you know, we they just just discovered or. They just learned a lot more about atmospheric rivers in the last decade, perhaps, yeah. Uh, yeah. and how they're connected to these larger forces called oscillations that move not yeah. in a yearly, but in decadal things. So, you know, the okay. truth is we don't, we just don't know yet, but there's a lot of smart people working on it, a lot of attention, uh, and we sure would love to be able to predict whether it's going to be a wet winter or a dry winter, and we'll have to see. I mean, these people at Weather Tools, now they, they're putting it out on the line. We'll see, you know, if they're correct come, come spring. Well, we know well, what people think people about Weather expect- Go ahead, Robert. No, I said you know what people think of, of Weatherman. Hey, my dad was a weatherman on TV oh. in Reno, oh. Nevada. So, and and he used to say, "I'm in advertising, not management." So. <laughs> Very cool. What was what was his name, Chris? Did he have a cool name? You know, like uh, Dusty Street or Dallas no, Rains no. or Stormy. Just Tom Lilly. Just Tom <laughs> Lilly. <laughs> okay. But I was harassed mercilessly through grade school because of it, though. Uh, but you, anyways, is that where you got your start in uh, broadcasting? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you know, I've, I've always, speak. I've always, I've always said, Rob, those the weathermen have a great job. Weather people have a great job, right? You can, you can be wrong seventy percent of the time and still keep your job. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, one of the best yeah. ones that Chris, Chris and I, we, I mean, we had some serious people, but we did have. A gentleman from NBC uh, who was really, really good. You remember that, Chris? I yeah, I sure do. Yeah, um, it was it was uh, you know very uh, kidded him about his name as well and said, "How come uh, you don't have a uh, you know a strange name you know or, or a weather related name and all that?" But he said Fritz was a was as weird a name as you can get. Ah, uh, Fritz Coleman. Yeah. Yes, and he yeah. he is an absolute gentleman. Oh, he yeah. is. He, he's, I, he MCs the OC Water Summit, I think, and yeah. uh, really fun guy. Uh, yeah, he was a, he guy. was a comedian. He was a comedian before he went into the weather stuff. But uh, you know, he he did our show, 
couple times. He's just a sweet guy. But but talking about the weather, obviously, because you know, it affects water, I, I understand that if we take a look at all these hydro dams, and they're really struggling right now with all this intensifying weather to really do something with the, with the dams. Oh, yeah, and, and what you going to do, it, you know, as, as, and, you know, here in the U.S., uh, we have very old dams that haven't necessarily been kept up. So, you know, it's a, it's a little nerve-wracking, uh, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, oh, when the water's low, you're not getting power. <laughs> yeah, but when when you get so much water going into a reservoir that it can overwhelm, you know, the whole system, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you, if in this new climate that we have, if you have a reservoir that, that now is too small for the potential capacity of the uh, precipitation that could come down, then that would be a big problem. Uh, we kind of have that with uh, Bryant Dam uh, out there outside of Fresno. It's a very small reservoir for the size of the watershed. I think it's only like 500,000 acre feet. But uh, because it's so small, they have to draw that reservoir down pretty low in, by like uh, February or March. Of you know, so when if they get a major snow melt, it doesn't overwhelm it. And they've had some pretty hair raising experiences there in really wet years, uh, trying to keep water moving out of the out of the dam. Uh, so yeah, you know. We we built so many dams uh, uh, so many years ago, and we haven't kept them up. And you know, like the the Oroville spillway accident, uh, or you know, event that we had. Uh, you know, we, as it turned out that you know we could build a spillway so much better now than what we had there. Um, better concrete, thicker concrete now. I mean, they learned some lessons. Uh, you know, get it, putting in that new spillway, uh, yep. but yeah, you know, we got we got some things to be concerned about. Yep. Yeah, Chris, well, I'll tell you if there's any if there's any guys, any of our listeners or any of your readers that want you know really good insightful look at that, the article on Maven's notebook that you know the I forget what it was called, I think it was Happy New Year or something, but you know, full reservoirs in 2024. That's a that's a great read. Just uh, if if listeners you're out there, go to Maven's Notebook and and uh, and and read that one. I mean, Lake Oroville right right now. What is it? 136 percent of oh yeah yeah historical average. Yeah yeah, and this is where you know we really call for what we call uh, conjunctive management here in California. You know, we have this water in these reservoirs. And we have to draw them down to prepare for flooding season. So this water really should be moving into groundwater storage. Uh, you know, we move it out of the reservoir and into the ground rather than just draining the reservoir to make room for the potential floods. Um, and this is something, again, that they did do in the Fryan area but when they draw that reservoir down. Um you know, they do try to, to keep the groundwater levels up and, you know, push that into groundwater, but, uh, you know, it could be hard, especially in a wet year. Yep, that's true. 
Well, Chris, we're coming up to our commercial break, and we want to thank you for joining us. And, and now that you're back in the saddle with us, we appreciate that. Just let us know if you're going any more trips to Merced so we can prepare. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about no, that. No, that's okay. You, you only called me. I, I remember one time you had to pull over where, I where it was, and you had to sit in your car for an hour and talk to us. In, in the heat. <laughs> so we, we appreciate that. But anyway, uh, our listeners, please go to maidensnotebook.com, become a subscriber or also be a sponsor of that. It's a great way to get all of the information on water in California and stuff behind the scenes that you won't even read in the newspapers for a while. But it's a great place to do it. And uh, we have the one and only Miss Chris Austin, and we're very appreciative of it. And again, Chris, thank you for helping our show and, and participating and, and, and making us, uh, allowing us to get another award from the EPA eight years in a row. And we, we appreciate that. You're part of a great team, and you and, and Chris Davey and we want to keep that forever, and uh, so thank you very much. I'm very blessed to work with both of you. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. All right. Appreciate we'll that. Time, we'll talk to you next week, then. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Have a great Bye-bye. week, Chris. All right. We're going to be back in a few minutes, so we're going to take a commercial break and be back with our featured guest, who's a wonderful person, very smart person. And uh, this person was on the show a couple years ago, and I had seen her at the uh, Water Smart Innovation and got a hold of her and said, you got to come on. you got so much new stuff happening and all the things you've done. Uh, you got to tell us. So uh, stick around for that. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to The Water Zone. KCAA Loma Linda. The legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day, so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control, and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch, or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi-enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. 
Aquatrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. This is KCAA. Uh, thanks for sticking around for the second half of the Water Zone show. We have a very good uh, and, and fantastic person we're going to introduce uh, to the show. And uh, as I said, she's been this person's been on a few years ago and wanted to get an upgrade. And her name is Pamela Burstler, and she's a nationally recognized expert on soil and water management who developed the watershed approach, a regenerative landscape strategy, and grew it into a nationwide movement with 12 guidebooks on the subject. And it's really, and, and you, you gotta get some of these things, they're great. Agencies and municipalities throughout the U.S. have adopted its principles and their leading landscape standards. And for 15 years, Pamela has, has helmed the G3, it's called G3 Green Gardens Group, and it's an award-winning EPA professional certifying organization that educates and certifies property owners, policymakers, landscape professionals in irrigation and rainwater capture. And, um, Anyway, uh, congratulations to her because she also won an award at the at the event, and I want to bring her on. So, Pamela, welcome to the Water Zone Show again. Hey, Robert, it's great to be here. We missed you. <laughs> I'm glad I caught up with you. <laughs> I was thinking about that. <laughs> and uh, no, we it was great when you were on a couple of years ago, but you got so much stuff going on. And, and, and yeah. once again, <laughs> congratulations for winning your award. Uh, you certainly deserve, earned it thank and you. deserved it. And, uh, thank you. Uh, no thank yous needed. You you do a lot of stuff that make things happen, and, and we're going to talk about all of that. But one of the things that is interesting to me and, and, and Chris, and we always do this to every guest, and we're not, not going to embarrass you. So what? How did you <laughs> find? how did you find this industry? <laughs> I, what, how, how did you decide that that's what you want to be, or did it find you? <laughs> you know, um, it's funny, because it's, it's 30-plus years ago. I mean, hard to believe. Uh, but it found me. Uh, I, uh, at the time, uh, so this is the 90s, I early 90s, I was, uh, I, I, you know, I come from finance. So, you know, I spent, I had a career in finance in New York. Uh, and um, it was 30 years. I thought you were only 29. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, gosh. You know, I should have put that in my notes. Remember yeah. your age? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So uh, in another life, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a career in, uh, in finance, and um, I was trying to make a transition into uh, possibly being a chief financial officer of, you know, of a small company, and I would take meetings at my house, and no one wanted to talk about finance. They all wanted to talk about my garden. <laughs> and I, so, I, you know, finally, after just a couple of these, I'm like, well, you know, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. And um, I became a landscape contractor. And because I, I researched, you know, which... California license, a contractor's license, is the most powerful license. And it turns out that really 
landscape construction is the most powerful license. Um, you know, if you don't want to be building houses, um, right. you can pretty much build everything else. And so, yeah, that's how I got into it. And it just evolved from there. It's been never, never ending, never changing. Well, I mean, never, well, never, well, ne- the changes never end. I guess that's what I meant. <laughs> well, well, t- tell us a little about, for our listeners as well, and we're listeners, tell, tell them about what G3 Green Gardens Group does. And, and we know sure. the different topics of, of their education and the communications, yep. your innovation, and all the activities you're in. So I'll let you go ahead and start yeah. that. And Chris will jump in with some questions as well. Sure. Yeah, well, we, we were originally founded about 15 years ago by seven women who were in the landscape industry. Uh, we were all contractors, designers, engineers, etc. And um, we realized that there was a lot of talk about sustainable landscaping, but in the we we tried to find actual examples of it, and really what happened was we were commissioned just as a loose group to um, to to put on a garden tour for a nonprofit, you know, as a fundraiser, and we were looking for 15 gardens that would fit our sustainability requirements, and we found that we really couldn't find any outside of the ones that we ourselves had done, and. Um, this led us to thinking, wow, well, maybe uh, both professionals and property owners would like to have more in-depth, hands-on, uh, you know, understanding uh, and education about how to create these landscapes. And so we founded G3, and we began, and we still do, um, getting contracts with agencies and municipalities, nonprofits, to create educational programs that really uh, help people transform their landscapes from, you know, whether it's something that is, you know, a water hog or, um, or just climate inappropriate to something that is a really, truly resilient, um, you know, beautiful, uh, water-conserving landscape. And, uh, and that's really what G3 has been doing for the last 15 years. We've been um, implementing programs hands-on programs where we actually go out and we, you know, show people how to, you know, do sheet mulching or creating a rain garden or irrigation installations, selecting plants, etc. Um, and we also do uh, workshops, whether they are virtual through Zoom or also in-person workshops. And they're on a myriad of landscaping topics. I mean, I think we have something like 35 classes or something that we teach, uh, different classes. And um, we... We we have a strategy for doing this that I think is really different from almost everybody else, and that is we um, became WaterSense certifying a, a WaterSense professional certifying organization. So we are empowered by WaterSense to do a certification in irrigation system auditing. So you know, just like you can get that from IA or you can get it from Quell or others. You know, we have our own program. It's called the Watershed Wise Landscape Professional. And the thing that's different about it is, uh, yes, you learn all the irrigation system stuff, but you also learn about rainwater capture and about soil building and about all the other landscape stuff that the other classes really don't emphasize. So we put on these classes, you know, pretty much throughout the West. We've done these, you know from Montana and Oregon, you know, throughout California, et cetera. And uh, we then 
uh, we certify people through this. They take the class, an exam, and a practical exam. And once they get their certification, they become eligible to be teachers for us. And so that is the, that's our strategy. You know, we go into areas, we train the professionals, and then we actually hire them to be our teachers to be able to put on classes locally. So uh, it's through that strategy that we've been able to grow and expand. Wow. And I know you do it both for uh, professionals and, and property owners and things of that sort. Right. Do you, do, you, do, yeah. you, do you have a sense, I know like Texas, for example, just your opinion, do you think irrigators should be licensed? Oh, boy. That is a... <laughs> well, well, I'm just curious. Uh, well, so, just... I, I, I didn't mean to throw that as a curveball I mean, to you, but I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like Texas, you have to be uh, licensed to be a, uh, an irrigation uh, guy or person. And is, right, is that but a, you is don't that, have to be licensed. You have to be licensed to be an irrigation person, but you don't have to be licensed to be a landscape contractor. Correct. So I think, you know, it's, they, they say it's, a, it's a tough question. I mean, I think that an irrigation... I think that an irrigation certification, which it, within the landscape contractor's license, would be maybe more efficient. But uh-huh. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that um, landscape construction of of a certain kind needs to be licensed. So yeah. um, that might be, you know, just the irrigation systems. Um, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I, I haven't really put that much thought into it. I, I, to no, craft, I, I, you know, the politically I, I only, correct answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I only, I only ask that because we have a lot of people who are not licensed contractors. You know, it's yeah. of, I'll use the term, and I'm not trying to be demeaning, the mow and blow type, or you know, companies and stuff like that. And they and some of them do a great, or many of them do a great job and stuff. And you know, they're totally different than the big guys. But you know, the you know, the, my my interpretation of that is. You get you get the knowledge by going to places like you, and or Quell or, or the IA to get more education because most people don't know what a pedotube tube is or they don't know you know I can go down the list of mm-hmm. things that they, they don't comprehend yeah. and you know and and the typical homeowner doesn't have that expertise to ask many of them don't have the the expertise to ask the right questions that they got to ask of somebody yeah. who does like contracting. So I wasn't trying to throw that as a curveball. It was just just an opinion thing. Chris, you got some? I know you yeah. have some questions. I do. Welcome to the show, uh, Pam. Uh, Thanks, I Chris. I could have mentioned before. Yeah, you're welcome. And I and and I don't think that I was hosting the show. That maybe the first time that you were that you were on. Um, but I got to tell you, I have I've had some experience with Green Gardens Group. I mean, um, having recently myself. Uh, converted a part of uh, my yard several yards ago, uh, several years ago rather, and then in conjunction with family members and neighbors, uh, Pam, I got to tell you, I've probably converted 30, 40,000 square feet of turf into native plants over the last uh, five or wow. six years. So, I hope that impressed. That's you. impressive. <laughs> that is. That's very impressive. That's incredibly impressive. And Chris you has know, one of um, the Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to oh, say, Chris, had, Chris has one of the most beautiful backyards uh, landscaping that he's done, and both for for vegetables and also for flora. So uh, he, he really believes in that. So he did a good job. I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in because I've been to his, his house many times, and uh, it's just gorgeous in the yard. Sorry, Chris. I had to throw it in. No. Appreciate it, Rob. <laughs> well, go, go ahead. ahead I'm man. sorry. Well, 
Well, you know, so it just got me thinking about something, and that is that, um, you know, I think that landscaping in California anyway has evolved over the last, certainly over the last 15 years, um, from being a very device and um, and therefore irrigation-centric. So, um, you know, it used to be that when you said, oh, you know, I'm going to be landscaping, you immediately said, I have to irrigate this, you know, with an irrigation system. And I think that there is an, an evolution occurring where we're now kind of shifting that, yes, of course we want, you know, highly efficient supplemental irrigation. We want to have that. It's super important. It needs to be designed yeah. correctly. And, and, oh, by the way, it, more important to me than a Pinot tube is or is uh, whether or not someone understands, you know, what precipitation rate is. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't tell you how many irrigation installers know their equipment and have no idea what a precipitation rate is or how to calculate an actual uh, irrigation program, you know, a controller program. Yep, so yep. to me, those are those performance issues are really, really, really important. Um, and what I'm seeing really is that people are understanding that landscapes are super complex, integrated systems. The irrigation is like a supplement to the natural rainfall, and we need to set up our landscapes so that we take advantage of all of the natural benefits that we have in California. So that includes California native plants, along with other climate-appropriate plants, um, contouring to hold on to the rainwater when it comes from the sky, and uh, building our soil to make sure that it has a good structure, that it can hold on to water, that it can infiltrate water, um, that there's plenty of oxygen in it. And, um, you know, really, really kind of rethinking uh, what it takes to have a resilient landscape. So um, that's I see that happening. Uh, and, and, you know, G3 has been adapting to that over the last 15 years. You know, we, we do lots of classes on irrigation, and we are also, you know, just as interested in all the rest of the garden making. And even to the, to the point where we are currently exploring and really going down the path of not removing grass at all. Like, is there a way that we could keep grass in place and actually get to the same water conservation benefits and have, um, you know, more buy-in, universal buy-in on uh, the transformations um, and really achieve many of the multiple benefits that we achieve by our, the current programs of taking out grass and putting in native plants? Could we achieve that in other ways, including keeping grass in place? So we've been spending a lot of time on that. That's that's my next venture, and and um, you know, as we move forward here, I hope you'll have me back to talk about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's pretty radical. <laughs> you got so many things. You know, the you know when I started getting into this industry, I learned about the watershed. If you remember the former leader of SAPA, and uh, she was a mm-hmm. wonderful lady, and, and she she was talking about the watershed. You know, those are Build your landscape around, make it your own little watershed, and it was absolutely. And your approach is exact. It's really what needs mm-hmm. to happen. And, and you guys teach got hundreds to thousands of hours uh, a year of different classes. Yeah. You have lots of reading material for people to get. 
Um, and and can, can you tell us maybe some of the updated projects that you're working on? That's pretty pretty unique. And yes, we do want you to come back because I could, we can talk to you for hours. <laughs> but I, I wanted I wanted yeah, to let you listen with our with, can... with our uh, with our with our listeners because again, we, you've been on a couple of years ago, and, and I've been I've been following you guys, and I say, God, we need to bring you back and talk more about what's going on because. You know, Absolutely. four or five years ago is different than what it is today, and you you expanded right. so much. And uh, so, anyway. yeah, yeah. Well, um, we are we are we are. Uh, you know, we're always on the cutting edge. I, I will I will say that. So I that I kind of I get bored really easily. So I'm always looking for uh, innovation, and um, that's one of the reasons I like that Water Smart Conference. You know, emphasis on innovation. Um, so projects that we're working on, well, we just wrapped up a project with Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, which was a project um, actually doing hands-on transformations of residential landscapes where people could come and learn over the course of two weekends how to actually, you know, remove grass and, and do the whole landscape transformation. Um, we are, uh, I, I actually have been working quite a lot in um soil issues and um, actually spending as much time on rural landscapes as I am on urban landscapes. Um, I'm working uh, uh, quite a bit with farmers and also with agencies that have farmland or control farmland within their watershed uh, to talk about ways that, uh, you know, that that can be improved, their irrigation can be improved, they can hold more water, you know, how can we do that without... Uh, destroying uh, the soil, which is our best resource in California for growing things. Um, so I've got a bunch of projects in that vein. Um, we're launching this program, which is called Flower Lawn, which is basically keeping your lawn in place and turning it into, um, you know, flowers instead of uh, removing it. So that's a whole thing that's going on. And um, we also are teaching uh, pretty much three to four classes a week for the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California. Uh, we're doing them primarily as virtual classes, um, but we are also doing some live classes. And the virtual classes can be accessed, of course, by anyone in the, you know, anywhere within the SoCal region. Actually, we get people from all over the country who come into them uh, because they are virtual. Um, and those we teach, you know, at like six o'clock at night on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, generally, uh, for an hour, an hour and a half. And we cover all kinds of topics. And those are really, um, something that we're quite focused on is, uh, you know, expanding those and making sure we have, um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, good new topics, keep it interesting, keep it lively, um, so let's see what else are we doing. I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you, do you, do you, with the way the economy is, do you see? I know Chris's house. He, as I mentioned, he grows some vegetables, a uh, variety mm. of vegetables. Also, which he won't, which he, he might admit, but he's a really super. He could be a super chef. He's really that good. But but do do you see a lot more people because of pricing in stores with with food up what nineteen percent or whatever that number is. Uh, starting to mix uh, vegetable gardens with, with flora gardens? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that, that is, that's been a trend that's really kind of picked up steam, you know, over the last five, even ten years. You know, I think the pandemic did a lot to boost that. Yep, yep. Um, but, I mean, I think 
fundamentally something for us to not get, not allow out of our sight is people, especially when the economy is getting a little, um, you know, wobbly, uh, people are busy earning money. (laughs) You know, they're focused on their, uh, you know, on their lives and on the, you know, their kids. and, and, And really, if you, I think if you start to rank things, you know, it's like work and school and, um, you know, kids, and then maybe getting away, you know, for some kind of, um, maybe it's a natural experience, but certainly an experience away from the home. These are things that end up being kind of priorities and, and gardening and land, landscaping and gardening and vegetable gardening is not really part of the American DNA anymore. You know, it kind yeah. of, it kind of fell away after the second world war. Um, yeah. and I think, I think that that is, I hope that that becomes more of our DNA. I hope that that becomes more um, engaging for people, that they see it as an opportunity to, uh, you know, get out into soil and, you know, out into the sunshine and, uh, you know, and spend time with their kids. Uh, I, I hope. My I, biggest... I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm, I, am, I am the most optimistic about the idea of including edible plants into landscaping as opposed to, you know, trying to create some kind of like vegetable garden or whatever. I, I think those are wonderful. And if you are committed to that, it's terrific. And, you know, go for it. But I think it's always interesting to just put edible plants into the landscaping itself. Like, you know, if we're going to use a shrub, why not use an edible <laughs> something that produces yeah. something, you know, or a tree or whatever. And when you do that, people become much more engaged, and hopefully they will eventually, um, you know, uh, move into doing more vegetable gardening from that. But I certainly, when we do when we do landscape design uh, for projects, we're always thinking about what can we put into this that has edible aspects. If it, you know, it could be something like herbs as ground cover or, you know, fruit trees. Um, but there's a wide range of very drought-tolerant plants that fit the, the category of edible and appropriate for California landscape. So that's, we try to include those in design. Oh, that's a great thought. You know, I, I see a lot of ads on television for 55 and above places to live, you know, for people who are looking for that. Yeah. And they show that yeah. they have, like, a community garden and that you can do all of the other things. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people do that. And I, I was always mm-hmm. curious about that. Like I said, Chris, Chris does it, and, and uh, he mixes it, and it's really, really nice. And uh, but, but again, it comes back to you know, have your property, your landscape, be like a watershed. You just you have to manage it, and run it, and understand the you know the soil, the uh, all, all of that stuff. How to what to select, mm-hmm. how to irrigate the whole thing. And I think that's just an important factor. But you guys do tons of that stuff, and 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 you have. Lots of reading material. Now, do you sell that separately, or do you have to come we, to one? Of your- we don't sell it. It's free. It's oh. free. We have. Uh, you can go on our website, greengardensgroup.com, and you can download any of the books that are on there. Um, it's under communication, and we have all of our books there. They're all free. Um, we just we got to the point where, again, you know, when the pandemic hit, that it just became very difficult to print and distribute things so we went to pdfs and now people just download them themselves and 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 have them um so yeah 
they're all available. Well, that, that's good to know. I'm glad I asked the question because, you know, people yeah, don't listen. <laughs> they, they don't know. I know the IA has lots of reading material, too, but they, they sell their books. And, and maybe it's for a different level, but uh, I, I, just the, the things that I've seen on the website, all the different books, they have stuff about Beverly Hills, landscaping, and all kinds mm-hmm. of other things. It's, it's not just like you have 10 books or 12 books. you got, you got a hell of a lot of books. And uh, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> no, it's a great, you know, p- people need to know where they can find out these things. They, you know, sometimes right. they try to clubs or whatever, or, or they go to some of these meetings that have the water agencies have, which is good. I, I, think, I think in the last 10, 12 years, they've done a great job in communicating to the public about, you know, conserving water and using it more efficiently. Chris, any, any words yeah. that you got? I was just going to make a comment, uh, actually, Sam, because uh, most of the work that I've done in helping neighbors and friends by word of mouth, um, that I saw a resurgence in the interest in, in uh, gardening, and of course, the rebates didn't hurt us at all, Pam, but um, over the COVID period, I mean, I was really busy in, you know, like 2019, 2020, and 2021. Um, and you mentioned, you know, kind of went out of the distillation of the U.S. psyche in the, after World War II, but there was a resurgence a few years ago, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. More of an emphasis on home, and certainly, you know, gardening right. became became a part of that. So, yeah, I'm hopeful, and hopeful that that will expand. And I'm also realistic, um, you know, that sure. it's not going to be in every yard. So, you know, if we can sneak it in another way, it's great. <laughs> Well, Pam, in the 45 seconds we got, we have to turn it over to NBC for their news hour. And then we are going to call you back to come back again and finish this. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. How can people get a hold of your organization? Well, it's Green Gardens with an S group.com. So, all one word, greengardensgroup.com. Uh, come uh, check it out. Go to the calendar. You can sign up for a class, they're all free. And uh, if you're a professional, we're teaching professional classes as well, so just look for them on the calendar. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have uh, have anybody uh, come in and learn more. Great. Great. Well, we got we got to run here, but I will call you next week, and we'll talk about another session, and we want to get deeper and deeper dive, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Rob and Chris. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Pam. Hi. Bye-bye. And for our guests, uh, thanks for listening. And remember, you have to help keep our planet blue. Because if you like green, you've got to have blue. Good night, everybody. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.3.